I was reading Calvinist pastor from Idaho that I read a lot. I'm not a Calvinist, but this guy's really sharp and, and really good. And he was talking about the fact that the United States has got three idols that it needs to repent of if we're going to be changed. And to quote one of the minor prophets, he gives you three, I'll give you four. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. And then Anne Graham Watt, she has this little 30-second spot that comes on just before Ronald Dart, which is the only thing I listen to on the radio. And she was saying that science has become an idol. And that sort of matches up with what Doug Wilson was talking about. And then I ran across a quote by G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton says that the madman is not the man who has lost his reason. The madman is the man who has lost everything except his reason. So all of that works together really nicely. So I figure, all right, God's talking to me, so I'll pay attention. So let's start with idol worship. A definition. An idol is anything that you turn to to get something that God should be giving you. So it's something that you turn to because God isn't giving you what you think you deserve, what you want, whatever. So what you'll do is you'll make an idol in your own image that will allow you to get this stuff. And the thing about an idol is that it frees you from God's constraints. So if you want to have some particular sin in your life, or a whole bunch of them, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be limited, what you'll do is you will either invent an idol or gravitate to idol worship where that sin is allowed. So let's use that definition. So let's go to Wilson now. As I say, he's really a bright guy. I don't agree with all of his theology, but I really like his commentaries. And he starts off talking about hardness of heart. For those of you who have been around for a while, we've talked about hardness of heart. And the biblical definition of hardness of heart is not being able to see the hand of God in anything. For example, when the disciples are crossing the lake and they panic in the middle of the storm and Yeshua stops the storm and says... (laughs) You guys have a hard heart. Don't you remember what happened with the feeding of the 5,000? They didn't make the connection that the power of God was in Yeshua. He had given them authority to cross the lake, so they had everything they needed. And they couldn't recognize it because their hearts were hard. Now, notice that a hard heart is not necessarily sinful. The disciples weren't sinning. They were just unable to recognize the power of God in that situation. Wilson takes it slightly farther than that, and I kind of like what he says. A hard heart and a soft head go together like salt and pepper. What that means, and we'll go back to Chesterton, somebody with a hard heart does not want to recognize God in a particular situation because if he did, he would have to stop sinning or stop a particular sin. So what he does is he gets very logical and he can explain in great detail why his particular sin is okay and he'll keep chattering and talking and chattering and talking and if you quote the word of God to him what he'll say is I don't get it or perhaps I won't get it because if he does get it he has to stop 
So going back to Chesterton, the idea here is that the madman is extremely logical. And what he's done is he's built up a worldview that allows him to do his particular sin. And he is fiercely logical in defending that worldview, but the worldview doesn't correspond with the Word of God, and often it doesn't correspond with reality. I meet a lot of them over the years, because people will come to church looking for something and so forth. And they have got this logical stream of patter, but they are completely dysfunctional. And you can't break through the logic because their logic is flawless within their little worldview. Basically, they'll say, I don't get it, I don't understand. Because at some level, they don't want to understand. So that's the setup here. So, what are the three idols? And yay, I'll give you four. This is Wilson's list now, with which I agree. The first one is conceit, which is to say that the individual is supreme. The idea in the United States right now is the individual is supreme. And the individual is a law unto himself. There's a Greek word for that, autonomous, self-law. And what we see there is, for example, the stuff that's flooding through our country right now, where I get to be anything I want to be. Doesn't matter what I was born, if I want to be a whatever, it's okay, because I am a law unto myself. I get to decide who I am, what I am, what matters to me. That's the first idol, this conceit. The second idol, this is Wilson's, is evolution. The thing about evolution is evolution robs the world of meaning. Because according to evolution, everything is an accident. There is no purpose. So what it does is it cuts the idea of God, who has a purpose for everything, completely out of the equation. So the second one is evolution, and here's where, yay, I'll give you four. I will say science is also an idol. Because science is the thing that provides all our goods and services. Some of you are wearing polyester clothes. Science gives you our clothes. Science gives you your food. Science gives you your entertainment. Everybody's got his entertainment package here. How many times have you heard in current discourse, we believe the science? Well, those people don't know squat about science. What they do is they have a priest who have said something from a white lab coat, and I believe that priest. It is exactly the same mechanism as somebody who says, I believe scripture. So this, I believe the science has become an idol, just as evolution, which is sort of a subset of that, has also become an idol. And the deal with science and evolution, as I say, is it robs your life of meaning. And if you don't have any meaning outside of yourself, then we come back to the conceit, which means I can do anything I want because I'm the one who defines my own meaning. And then Wilson's third is secularism. 
And for there, you can go to John Locke if you want to face on it. Secularism says that we can govern ourselves without reference to God. In other words, we are autonomous. We get to make our own laws. We can do everything by reason. And remember back to Chesterton. The madman is not the one who's lost his reason. The madman is the one who has lost everything except his reason. So what these three or four idols have done is they have stripped everything away from us except reason. And so what we have is this flood of insanity that is washing over the country. And the linchpin of that flood of insanity is sin. The reason the insanity is attractive is because it allows us to engage in whatever particular sin we happen to be wanting. I'll give you an example. There was a political cartoon that I thought was very good. It was a picture of Uncle Sam, and Uncle Sam was not looking good. He was decrepit and like this. And a Mexican cartel member was handing him a basket full of children. And Uncle Sam says, but narcotics are my drug of choice. And the cartel says, not anymore. It's human trafficking now. So these cages on the border, what they are are puppy cages for pedophiles. The reason we have so many children coming across the border is because the cartels are flushing children here to feed the sex trade. It's a sin. But it has justified with these bromides. These people are just looking for a better life. They just want freedom. They want to come here to get the better life that we have. Oh, we are just so wonderful by allowing all this. Look at how humane we are. Remember, the fool has lost everything except his reason. And that's just a microcosm of what's going on with us. But you can look at virtually everything in our popular society and you can recognize the same pattern and phenomenon. Now, Wilson said this in his sermon, and I didn't understand it, except I read the Torah portion today. And he talks about Daniel, how the pagan kings come to the people of God to interpret their dreams. You, know, you have Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. We have the same thing here with Pharaoh and Joseph. I had never caught this before. Wilson said it. That the only one who can give meaning to anything is the God who created it. So when these pagan kings get these visions at night, their own wise man can't explain them because their wise men are not connected to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what they do in Scripture is they come to a man of God, and the man of God is then able to interpret the dream. As I said, it never clicked. But the point is it goes with what we're talking about here, which is to say that the meaning of everything is defined by the creator of that thing. So when Darwinism takes away the Creator, what you have lost is your connection to the meaning of everything. 
and you become like Pharaoh or Nebuchadnezzar and you don't know what's going on. You don't understand. That's what is going on with Joseph and that's what's going on with Daniel and of course that's what's going on with us. One of our problems is the church and the church leaders are following, they're not leading. Our church leaders have grown up in this system that we have been living in for the last several hundred years. And when the church runs up against science, the church folds. So instead of saying evolution, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it really is. It's stupid. Now, don't get me wrong. The idea of changing in response to environmental pressures is not controversial. You can observe that. I don't know why you would, but you can take a wolf and eventually you can get to a chihuahua. You can do that. They say, I don't know why you do it, but you, you can. So that's uncontroversial. But the idea of a rock turning into a chihuahua is just stupid. You can't get there from here. There's no way. But if you look at it and say, we can get from a wolf to a chihuahua, therefore evolution is true, therefore the Bible account of creation is not true, then what you've done is you've cut the legs out from under the scripture because you have taken away the idea that God is the one who created it and all of this has a purpose. So then you wind up with the nice fluffy Jesus who accepts everybody and you wind up with the open and affirming church because you've cut the legs out from under God. And what happens is the clergy being human just like everybody else has their own set of sins that they're happy with, and it may be they're chasing congregants, it may be, as unfortunately and sadly in the Catholic Church, you have what's called the Pink Mafia, which is homosexual priests and cardinals who are in positions of control. They like their sin. So they don't want to hear anything in Scripture that contradicts their sin and would make them give it up. As I say, it may be, I'll lose my pension. It may be, whatever. The thing that is your besetting sin that you refuse to give up is individual. Everybody's got one. But the problem is, God says, that's wrong. So what you try and do is create yourself an idol that lets you do it. Now, everybody sins. But the thing that is different is I recognize that it's a sin. I recognize that it's wrong. I recognize that I should not do it. I turn to God and I repent and I ask for help not doing it again. So the idea here is not that sin is done away with. It isn't. The idea is what is your attitude towards sin? And we have churches on Lookout Road that got rainbow flags up in front of them. Sorry, but that's not right. And certainly the church should have ministry to homosexual everything else. I'm not suggesting that these people be cast out into the street, but recognize it for what it is and deal with it that way 
instead of affirming it, which is what they do. Take you to Revelation for just a minute. Seven letters to the seven churches. I'm not going to go through them because I can't do it from memory anyway. But one of the things that happens late in the seven letters is these destructive people are in the church. So you have people in the church who believe the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. You have people in the church who are beset by the sin of Jezebel. You have people in the church who are doing all this stuff. So the church needs to be fierce in policing itself. And again, humans are humans. God set up Israel. And God set up Israel in a perfect system, yet the synagogue and the temple managed to go off in the wrong direction. I'm not saying that we're perfect, but it's really important to recognize this is what God says about that. And if we're doing it, we're wrong. And we need to try and correct it. Notice how I said that? Try and correct it, because we're not very good at that, quite frankly. Nobody is. But it's important you recognize. Now, one of the things that's happened to the church is the church is following the culture instead of leading. So you have churches that say, no human being is illegal. You ever heard that? Love is love. We're going to save the planet. What hubris that we can save the planet. We can't steer a hurricane. It's hubris. That's what we have. The problem that we have when dealing with the culture is these madmen have their own logic. So when you argue with them, they say, love is love, and walk off because they don't want to hear you. They have their own internal logic. Now, if the church can be pushed off of its core principles, how is it different than the culture? And let me give you another one. Let me ask you a question. Do you suppose people who will not listen to the God of the universe are going to respect the Constitution? These people have no respect for the God of the universe that created everything. How much less are they going to have respect for a man-written document? And you can see it over the years in the United States where there's always somebody taking a run at the Constitution. Right now, free speech is under assault. The Fourth Amendment is under assault. The Second Amendment is under assault. And these are the same people who don't believe Scripture. Because Scripture constrains them from doing the sin that they want to do. The Constitution constrains them from doing the things that they want to do. Are you seeing a connection here? They don't like to be constrained. We don't like to be constrained. I don't like to be constrained. I want to do what I darn well please. And so does everybody else. And the thing that constrains me is I know that there is a God who has a purpose for this. And if I go off and do my own sweet thing without regard to that, I'm going to get crosswise with him. And I don't want to do that. 
But as I say, if people have no respect for scripture, what makes you think they'll have respect for law or constitution or anything else? They don't. It's simply a question of what can I get away with and what will I be constrained through force? That's all we have left without meaning. All we have left is force. And then it becomes who controls the force? Whoever controls the force is going to be our Pharaoh, is going to be our Nebuchadnezzar. So, Wilson says, a hard heart and a soft head go together like salt and pepper. And hard hearts destroy relationships. It prevents the correction of error. In other words, if you have a hard heart and you won't listen, you won't be corrected. And one of the things that he said I thought was really very nice. Living water does not flow from a stony heart. The only rock that you get living water from is the one that God brings living water from. A stony heart won't do it. We kind of liked that. thought that was really good. So, two things. Thing one is pray as we did and as we're doing. And I would suggest that you pray for correction to the United States. And I would add to that prayer, please make that correction as gentle as possible. Because God will eventually correct us. And my prayer is that that correction comes sooner rather than later, and that that correction be as gentle as possible. Because I love this place. And we're a mess. And then the second thing, I've come up with a catchphrase. People who watch television news are volunteering to be lied to. And the point is, what you hear all throughout the culture is this glib, consistent logic which reinforces whatever it is that somebody wants to do in his heart. Recognize that. Learn to recognize that love is love, science is real, all that kind of stuff is nothing but defensive patter from someone with a hard heart and a soft head who wants to continue in some sin. Do not take it at face value. Do not engage with it, because if you engage with it, what you wind up doing is getting sucked into their internal logical loop, and you can't break it. Read Proverbs. It doesn't do any good to argue with a fool. Or put another way, never argue with a fool because people watching may not be able to tell the difference. So, pray. Pray that we will get corrected. And pray that that correction will be as gentle as possible.